Welcome in to the Chief Zone Podcast. Farzi Vasugian here with you for another episode of the Cage Zone Podcast. I'm your host. Appreciate you guys joining me here on this Wednesday. This podcast coming out a day earlier than expected. Normally, we're planning on doing the podcast on Thursdays, but this podcast coming out a week or a day sooner, and that is because we are going to have a special guest on the podcast, Matt Connor of Arrowhead Addict will be joining us here on the podcast to talk about Kansas City's offseason up to this point and some of the other news and notes around the NFL. So we'll talk to Matt Connor about that later on in the podcast. Also, uh, some unfortunate trends. Uh, another unfortunate playoff trend for the Chiefs has surfaced. The Chiefs aren't even playing in the playoffs, and there is another playoff trend. It's actually a Super Bowl trend. Regarding the Chiefs, I know, sounds weird. I'll tell you what that is later on. I'll give you a spoiler alert. You're not going to like it. Uh, I mentioned this on social media. I was the first to mention this, and a lot of people not too happy about this at all. But it's a thing that's a, it's true. It's a fact, and uh, it just begs uh, the, the question as to why Kansas City struggles come postseason time. So we'll talk about that as well. Plus, a lot of former Chiefs. Getting opportunities for 2018. We'll talk about all of those later on in the podcast. Plus, Andy Reid. There might be one glaring issue. Could be overconfidence. And that's obvious because we've seen some of the comebacks. But is Andy Reid too confident? I'll tell you one game that not many of you guys are thinking of that could have exposed Andy Reid. But it's not getting enough coverage. I'll tell you which game that is. If you want to interact with me, be part of the podcast, hey, always welcome to do so. You guys can like my Facebook page and talk to me on there, facebook.com slash Vasugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on there. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And you guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Also later on in the podcast, I'll be making an announcement uh, regarding something I'll be doing and something that, that, that will involve this podcast in a way. So definitely stay tuned for that. Now, before I move on, I do. I guess I have to make make this a disclaimer uh, before I get angry. Facebook messages and emails and tweets and whatnot. Uh, this podcast, I, I kind of realized this before I started uh, recording the show. This podcast is going to have a negative Andy Reid kind of feel to it. That's not the intention. Uh, there were a couple of topics that I, I had planned on discussing. And then when this um, Super Bowl Chiefs trend came out, it just gave a more negative connotation for Andy Reid. Again, not the intention, but I just want to give you a heads up that you may, maybe there's a possibility that you'll dislike Andy Reid a little bit more after you listen to this podcast. I don't know. Again, that's not the intention. I'm actually a big supporter of Andy Reid. I really am. But I do think that... He's got to do something quickly before he, before his back is up against the wall with his with his job security in Kansas City. And I mentioned earlier, there is one game where I feel like Andy Reid was exposed. And it's a game that not many people are talking about. And it's that Week 17 game against the Broncos. Now you might be thinking, what's the, what's the deal with that? The Chiefs won that football game and it was a fairly meaningless game for both teams. Yes, absolutely. Certainly a, a fair comment to make, but... Make no mistake about this. Andy Reid almost got exposed in that football game. Now, he's been exposed a couple of times in the postseason against the Indianapolis Colts, 
against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, certainly last year against the Pittsburgh Steelers, it certainly has to take a lot of responsibility for that one, the way that ended. Scoring more touchdowns than the opposing team by two, but you lose to a team that scored all field goals. And makes you wonder, why is it that Kansas City is just continuing to find so many different ways uh, to lose football games in the playoffs? Well, let me just say this. That Week 17 game, that almost looked bad for Andy Reid. And I just kind of came to the realization of this because... Like many of you guys, I'm still kind of focused on that on that loss against the Steelers. But let's look at the game before that one, the regular season game, the Week 17 matchup. I'm sure you guys all remember there was a point in the game where Andy Reid pulled Patrick Mahomes and put in Tyler Bray, thinking the game was over. You guys may remember this. It was... 4th and 15 at Kansas City's 16-yard line. And Paxton Lynch threw an interception to Terrence Mitchell. And he ran it 40 yards to Kansas City's 42-yard line. So a play in which the Broncos were in the red zone and Kansas City takes possession on the next play. And getting to the 42-yard line, obviously great field position. So with the score 24-10, to Andy Reid goes ahead and takes out Pat Mahomes. He puts in Terrence or uh, Tyler Bray. And what happens on that very next play after the interception? Well, Tyler Bray fumbles the football, gets sacked four yards back, but also fumbled the football. And the Broncos scoop it up. I believe it was Zaire Anderson uh, ran 38 yards for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, it's a one-possession game in the fourth quarter with 6.52 left. So with seven minutes left to go, a two-possession football game, and Andy Reid... Puts in Tyler Bright. Now you might be saying, look, it was a meaningless football game. Okay, well then, why did he put Pat Mahomes back in the game? Because surely we all wanted to know how Tyler Bray would have done. Now listen, winning that game I think was still important. As far as confidence goes, some momentum. Especially for Pat Mahomes, a guy who, you know, you, you know there's a possibility that he could be the starting quarterback in 2018. So let's get the wheels rolling a little bit with him. And... Let's get a win. One win under his belt. And that's exactly what they did in this football game. Uh, Crazy enough, uh, Andy Reid got overconfident, put Tyler Bray in there. And in one play, Tyler Bray fumbles the football and it's a one possession football game. On the next drive for the Chiefs, Tyler Bray still in there. Chiefs go three and out. Broncos get the football back uh, after a punt. And they score a touchdown on an eight-play drive, a fairly quick drive. So Kansas City tied up on the final drive of the game. Guess who? Well, guess what Andy Reid does? He puts Pat Mahomes back into the game. Now, of course, Pat Mahomes. I think he's saving Andy Reid some some bad PR here because he led the Chiefs to a phenomenal eleven-play, sixty-seven-yard drive that ended in a field goal by Harrison Butker to win the football game as time expired. But man, uh, I, I think that's an example of overconfidence there. And listen, with seven minutes to go after that Terrence Mitchell interception, if that was a regular season game with actual starters in there, I think Andy Reid would have considered pulling starters in that football game. I really do think he would have. And I think we're kind of just seeing this pattern of Andy Reid being overconfident, thinking games are over. 
when they're really not. And I think this Chiefs and Broncos one is a fantastic example of it. Better example than the, than the playoff loss. I know a lot of people, will, will they're still thinking about that playoff loss because it's the more relevant one. But I think this is more important because even though this is not as pertinent, this is still pretty important because Andy Reid was exposed in this one, even though the Chiefs won. I didn't realize it at the time. Now I'm kind of coming around and realizing this, but Andy Reid in this football game, he put Pat Mahomes back in there for a reason. This was a this is a preseason football game for all we care. So why was it so important for Andy Reid to put Pat Mahomes back in there? I gave you guys my opinion why I thought. We all know at the end of the day, the thought process of of a, of a team isn't the same as people as fans in the media. So Andy Reid felt the need to put Pat Mahomes back in there because if Andy if the, if the Chiefs lost this football game, if Andy Reid didn't make that switch, the narrative would have been great game for Pat Mahomes, but well, I don't know if that would even have been the narrative because a big reason why Pat Mahomes had a great game was because of that final drive. Their narrative would have been, "Hey, Pat Mahomes had some flashes, but the Broncos rallied with a late comeback because Tyler Bray didn't do very well." Had that fumble and then a three and out for the Chiefs. Broncos were down by two touchdowns and they scored two touchdowns. One on defense, the other on offense to that tie this football game. Listen, it's it's not a it's not an accident. These things are happening over and over again. And Andy Reid, these are simple things, but we're starting to learn why Andy Reid has taken so much criticism in Philadelphia and in Kansas City. And overconfidence is a big weakness of Andy Reid. Of Andy Reid's, just his coaching skills. This is something that's got to be solved here. And I, listen, I said this after the playoff loss, but if I'm Clark Hunt, I do have a, have a sit-down with Andy Reid, and I'm sure he, he talks to Clark Hunt occasionally. He has to answer a couple of questions, but if I'm Clark Hunt, I'm asking about these games in which teams are coming back, such as those two playoff games and this game against the Broncos. Again, I, I realize this was a preseason game, as far as what it really meant for both teams. But it is still a game in which you wanted to see a win because you wanted to see Pat Mahomes be able to get at least one win under his belt as a rookie. And that's exactly what he was able to do when Andy Reid put him back in there. But it almost cost Andy Reid some bad PR here. Would not have been good for him at all. Speaking of bad PR for the Chiefs, look... When the Chiefs destroyed the Patriots to open up the NFL season, the Kansas City Chiefs put up a graphic on their social media sites, pretty much bragging over the fact that this team has been a lot of Super Bowl participants recently. And that's nice and all. There really is. But man, uh, I've got to tell you, it it does not look good because Kansas City, uh, in the past four seasons, starting from 2014 all the way to now, They have defeated six of the last eight Super Bowl participants. The last eight teams to participate in the Super Bowl, Kansas City has defeated six of them. How is it that you defeat six of the eight conference champions and you struggle in the playoffs? I don't understand how this is possible. In 2014... The Chiefs defeated both the Patriots and the Seahawks. They both met in the Super Bowl. 2015, the Chiefs beat the Broncos. They also lost to them, but hey, when you play them twice, that that can happen. 
2016, the Chiefs beat the Atlanta Falcons in one of the more crazy endings you'll ever see in a football game. This year, Kansas City's first two wins came against the two teams who are in the Super Bowl, the Patriots and the Eagles. So the six of the eight teams, again, I'll say it again, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Broncos, the Falcons, the Patriots once again, and the Eagles, the Chiefs have defeated, yet for whatever reason, the Chiefs struggle in the postseason. And listen, we could also sit here and talk about Kansas City's success defeating teams uh, the, the, the when they were in the Super Bowl. So for example, they obviously defeated the reigning champions to open up the NFL season. The season before that, they also defeated the reigning NFC champions, the Carolina Panthers in the crazy comeback game. Also, they swept the Denver Broncos the year after they won the Super Bowl. Now you might be saying, well, they had a quarterback switch, so they were a different football team. If anything, I think that actually bodes well for Denver because they had the worst quarterback that season in Peyton Manning. I think people forget that sometimes. So you hear these unfortunate trends. The fact that your first two wins came against the teams, uh, your, your the first two games that you won, um... They were against the two teams that are in the uh, Super Bowl. Now, uh, the Chiefs defeated the uh, winner of the Super Bowl in 2014, the Patriots. Uh, They beat uh, the winner of the Super Bowl in 2015-2016 season, the the Broncos. 2016, uh, last year, they did not face the Patriots, so didn't have a chance to defeat the eventual champions that year. This year, regardless of who wins, the Chiefs will have defeated the Super Bowl champions. So in three of the last four years, regardless of who wins this Super Bowl, Kansas City has defeated the, the Super Bowl champions in the regular season before they won. And listen, I, I guess if, if you believe in patterns, if I'm a Patriots fan, I would want to get blown up by Kansas City every time in the regular season. Because for whatever reason, when the Chiefs blow out the Patriots, there is this crazy notion nationwide from the media that the Patriots are in trouble. The universal belief that the Patriots dynasty is over. And what happens after they be, they they suffer a major loss to the Chiefs? They go on a surge. And they win the Super Bowl. That, that could be the case this year too. We'll see. But nonetheless, you get the idea. Kansas City, for whatever reason, just continues to... to Beat these great teams in the regular season, but they can't win in the postseason. And again, I go back to Kansas City's social media team, the PR team, whoever runs that, because they they want they love to mention the fact that Kansas City has had success against recent Super Bowl participants. But you don't have nothing to show for it in the postseason. You really don't. Just to win over the, the Houston Texans. The Chiefs have faced the Patriots in the playoffs. Actually, listen, they, they they blew up the Patriots this year in the fourth quarter, going on a surge in that quarter to win. So what is it about the Chiefs being able to blow out the Patriots twice in recent memory, yet you can't beat them in the playoffs? What is it about not being able to beat a kicker? What is it about not being able to hold an 18-point lead? 
you know, you know people want to talk about the officiating, officiating in that game. Okay, fine. But you can only talk about that part for so long until you, you realize what's going on with this football team. And I think a lot of people are a little bitter because the Eagles do have Nick Foles as their quarterback, who backed up Alex Smith last year. And they also have Doug Peterson as the head coach, who was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs just a couple of seasons ago. And I'll get into that in a moment because there are a lot of former Chiefs who are taking some big jobs for 2018. And of course, we know about Doug Peterson, who's obviously doing a fine job in his new role with the Eagles. Let me just say this. Andy Reid's got to be on the hot seat right now. He's just got to. I've been a big defender of Andy Reid's. I think no matter what happens with Andy Reid at the end of the day, I think we've got to appreciate everything he has done for this franchise. This guy took a 2-14 and team. A team that probably was coming off one of the worst seasons in NFL history. Not just on the field, but off the field. Everything that was going on with the Chiefs uh, Twitter account arguing with a fan. Uh, fans uh, flying banners over the stadium. The uh, incident with Javon Belcher. I mean, so many things just went horribly, horribly wrong with Cam. The uh, incident where Chiefs fans were cheering the Matt Castle injury. And that turned into a major PR mess. That was a nightmare for the Chiefs. So many things went wrong in that 2012 season. Andy Reid comes in. He changes the quarterback. And he changes just a couple of other players with the, with the starting lineups. On offense and defense. And he turns the Chiefs... From a 2-14 and 14 team to a 9-0 and 0 team. So listen, there's so much. I think the reason I've been so patient with Andy Reid. I'm seeing a lot of people wanting him fired. And they've been wanting this for a while now. I guess the reason I've been so patient is look. This guy not only has turned this franchise around. The players who are playing under Andy Reid have played above their potential. Alex Smith is having some of the best seasons that he's ever had in his career. And all of them are under Andy Reid. Jamal Charles has had some of his best years under Andy Reid. And he's had some great seasons in Kansas City. But his best have come under Andy Reid. Yeah, you know, there are so many people. Eric Berry has had some of his best games under Andy Reid. Some of his best seasons under Andy Reid. A lot of players we could talk about. And we could also talk about how the fact that Andy Reid took a big chance on guys like Tyreek Hill and Marcus Peters. And look what they have done for this franchise. And I know this was not a, a good year for Marcus Peters. Kind of a step back year. But even then, Marcus Peters still had a phenomenal season. One of the better quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And you think about the fact that everything Andy Reid's done for this franchise. And look, and I'll bring this up again. I've been very critical of the fact that the Bengals have retained Marvin Lewis. Because he's 0-7 in the playoffs. All of the wildcard games. And listen, Andy Reid's really no different with Kansas City. Andy Reid is 1-4 in the playoffs with the Chiefs. The difference is, you know, Marvin Lewis has been with the team a lot longer. And has not been able to win. Whereas Andy Reid... In the short time span he's been with the Chiefs, he has consistently taken this team to the playoffs. And this is something that has not been done since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. In the five seasons Andy Reid's been the head coach here, the Chiefs have gone to the playoffs four times. This is, the, I mean, this is something that, again, hasn't happened since, since Marty was the head coach. 
Dick Vermeil only took the Chiefs to the playoff once. Herm Edwards took the Chiefs to the playoffs once. Same with Todd Haley. Romeo Cornell in his one season with the Chiefs, unable to take him to the playoffs. He has taken the Chiefs to the playoffs more times than Vermeil, Haley, and Edwards combined and has more postseason wins than those three coaches combined. So listen, I mean, Andy Reid's definitely made some progress with this franchise, but there's got to be that next big step. Something's got to move on with the Chiefs. You've got to make that next big jump with the Chiefs. And in four play, if you told me before the Andy Reid hiring that Andy Reid would have led the Chiefs to four playoff appearances, I would have said for sure that they would have been in the Super Bowl in one of them. The Chiefs haven't even been to the AFC title game in any of those four appearances. Now listen, do I think Andy Reid, like do I think next year is his last shot with the Chiefs? In other words, do I think there's a possibility that Andy Reid could be fired? And I think there's definitely that possibility. I think the expectation for Kansas City should definitely be very high. Kansas City certainly has the ability to reach in an AFC title game. Listen, we all know about the Chiefs and how in recent history, since 2003, they've been one of the last teams to lose a football game in those respective regular seasons, yet they have zero uh, playoff wins in 2003, 2010, 2013, and 2017. Started off 9-0 in 2003 and 2013. Started off 3-0 in 2010. Started off 5-0 this past year. The last team to lose a game in each of those four seasons, yet the Chiefs have zero playoff wins in each of those four years. So these great starts, they're cool and all, but what does that all culminate to at the end of the day? For the Chiefs, it's been nothing. Let's put it this way. I mean, this is me kind of, in in a jokeful manner, Showing a unique perspective, the Patriots were the first NFL team to lose a football game. In other words, they were the worst football team in the NFL for three days because they were 0-1 on that Thursday night game, and no one else was 0-1 for three days. So the Patriots, in in a weird way, they were the worst football team for a couple of days. Look where they are right now. Great starts are nice. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they don't matter. The one and five start, that certainly looked ugly for the Chiefs, but it was nice to see them get rolling and finish strong to make it to the playoffs. I just want to see consistency with this team. I'd love to see them get off to a great start, continue to do well halfway through the season, and finish a regular season strong and carry that consistency over to a po- to a playoff game. And, ca- and hopefully have a long postseason. That's what we all want. Everyone wants to be a Super Bowl champion. At the end of the day, that's a very difficult thing to do. And listen, I think Andy Reid needs to be able to do that here in Kansas City. That's the standard with this team. Four playoff appearances. Well, a Super Bowl appearance has to happen, especially hoisting that Lombardi trophy. But man, I'd love to see this team make it to an AFC title game. If Andy Reid can make it to an AFC title game, I think his job is going to be safe in Kansas City. Losing was going to be a heartbreaker. You're going to be one game away from a Super Bowl. That's going to be the heartbreaking thing. But look, look you can't. Not, not everyone can win. You can only have one of 32 win. And I think Andy Reid and the Chiefs. This is a team that can be one of the one of 32 to win it all. They've got to have the right 
pieces in place, and hopefully they can do do that this offseason. See what they want to do with with the quarterback position, but uh, this is this is a team where I think Andy Reid knows they can go very far, but he's got to be able to make the right moves and and make the the right coaching decisions too. Let someone else call. The, let Eric Bieniemy call the plays, and we'll talk more about that with Matt Connor of Arrowhead Attic joining us in a few moments. But you've got to have uh, the, the the right the right coaching decisions as well. I think the Chiefs have some great personnel. They've had a lot, a lot of great players come and go, and they have some of the great. They, they've got a lot of talented players across the board. They really do. But this team's got to be able to have the right coaching staff in play, and have the right decisions. Andy Reid didn't have a lot of good play calling decisions. Bob Sutton, uh, this season was not a good coaching season for Bob Sutton with this defense. And you know you have so many talented players, and you didn't use them to their strengths, and that's a frustrating thing coming off this Chiefs season. Let me know your guys' thoughts on all of this. Facebook.com slash and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And also email me, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. I want to get into some of the former Chiefs who are who have now been accepting some new roles for 2018. But I do want to talk about this for a moment. Is there an excuse anymore with injuries? I know in 2011, when... Todd Haley got fired. He lost his tight end, who had, who was coming off a fairly good rookie season, in Tony Mowiaki. You lose Jamal Charles, and you lose Eric Berry. You lost Eric Berry first on, on uh, opening week, and then you lost Jamal Charles the following week, all to torn ACLs. You eventually lost Matt Castle, who was coming off a Pro Bowl season, helping the Chiefs win their first AFC West title since 2003. So you lost a lot of great players across the board, but there were still no excuses made for this football team. And the Chiefs pulled the trigger in firing Todd Haley three games before the end of the regular season. And six days before facing the Packers, the reigning Super Bowl champions and still undefeated 15-0 up to that point. Uh, or 13, I can't remember 13 or what their record was. But regardless, they were undefeated in, in, in December. The Chiefs... With a quarterback change and a head coaching change uh, in six weeks. Or six days, excuse me. They defeated the Green Bay Packers. Look at the NFL right now. You had Blake Bortles. You had Case Keenum. Both make it to a conference title game. And regardless who won the NFC title game, which obviously was the Eagles. You had a backup quarterback in Nick Foles. Facing a backup quarterback in Case Keenum. And at the end of the day, a backup quarterback won the NFC Championship. He led his team to an NFC title win. I, I, I was talking about, about this on the Facebook page and somebody said, well, the reason the Eagles are in the Super Bowl is because of Carson Wentz. Uh, look, great regular season for Carson Wentz. But I don't recall Carson Wentz throwing a, a pass this postseason. The Eagles are not in the Super Bowl because of Carson Wentz. They're in the Super Bowl because of Nick Foles and this defense. Is there an excuse anymore for NFL teams? You look at the NFC. and Let me just read you some of the quarterbacks in the NFC. I'm just going to go off of the order for passing yards here. Uh, third highest leader in passing yards. And I'm just going to read the NFC guys. Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions. Did that team even make it to the playoffs? Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints was fourth in passing yards. 
and they fell nine seconds short of reaching the NFC title game. Matt Ryan, sixth in passing yards, and they lost in the divisional round. Kirk Cousins was seventh in passing yards. Russell Wilson of the Seahawks, ninth in passing yards behind Alex Smith. Jared Goff, 10th in passing yards. Case Keenum was 12th in passing yards. And I know Nick Foles came very late in the season, so he's very low on this list. But Case Keenum wasn't even a top 10 quarterback this year in the NFL in terms of passing yards went. Not even top 10 in touchdowns. Yet, for for whatever reason, the NFC title game was between two backup quarterbacks. Look at the Denver Broncos a couple seasons ago. Peyton Manning led the NFL in interceptions. Then he got pulled in the regular seat late in the regular season. And had he still been playing, he probably would have led the the, the NFL in interceptions. The same year, the Broncos won the Super Bowl. So what excuse do we have nowadays? Because here we are as Chiefs fans making excuses about officiating, about how Travis Kelsey didn't play in the second half. Tom Brady, and I know Tom Brady's a GOAT, but this is why he is a GOAT. He loses Gronk for the second half, and he goes out there and and leads the Patriots to a comeback over the the Jaguars. A two-possession comeback in the fourth quarter. We want to make all these excuses about bad play calls and everything here. The Vikings and the Eagles, with backup quarterbacks, played in the NFC title game. I don't think we have a lot of excuses anymore as fans. I really don't. I think at the end of the day, we've got to accept who is on our team and maybe just expect greatness. I know that sounds crazy to say, but there are a couple of teams that have proven to us that you don't have to have Talent across the board. And I think coaching is a big part of these two teams. Making it as far as they have. I do want to take one quick moment and talk about some of the former Chiefs who have been accepting jobs lately. Some big name jobs. Herm Edwards, we all know he is the head coach of Arizona State University. I think it's going to be interesting to see him and how he does in the college ranks. I I thought he was a great recruiter and a great... uh, talent evaluator in the NFL and I think that could really bode well in college football as a head coach of the sport that is that remains to be seen Matt Nagy he is now the head coach of the Chicago Bears of course was the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs uh Andy Reid's former assistant Doug Peterson as we talked about he's now in the in the Super Bowl so uh if you want to believe in the fact that former Andy Reid assistants are going to do well, well, maybe the Chicago Bears have a reason to believe that Matt Nagy could one day lead the Bears to a Super Bowl. Mike Vrabel, former outside linebacker with the Chiefs, better known for his time with the New England Patriots, of course was part of the Matt Castle trade coming over to Kansas City. He is now the head coach of the Tennessee Titans who fired Mike Malarkin and what was a surprising move to a lot of people. John Dorsey, as we know, he is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. This is going to be his first full season with the Cleveland Browns. He joined the team mid-season and now is going to have a full offseason with the Cleveland Browns. 
and also joining the Cleveland Browns, not necessarily a head coaching gig, but the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, Todd Haley, former Chiefs head coach. So you've got Herm Edwards at ASU, Matt Nagy in Chicago, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee, all head coaches, John Dorsey, the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, and Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. And listen, if things go wrong with Hugh Jackson, hey, uh, the Cleveland Browns will have a guy on staff and Todd Haley, who of course was at one point the head coach of an NFL team. And of course that NFL team was Kansas City. Uh, So you never know if Todd Haley could eventually land a head coaching gig with with the Browns. Who Todd Haley could, could of all people, could be the the answer that the Browns need. We'll see. For right now, what I do know is this: uh, you've got a former Andy Reid assistant in Doug Peterson who's doing well. You've got a former assistant in Matt Nagy who, listen, if if other Andy Reid assistants are doing well, maybe there's some promise there in Chicago. We'll see what Herm Edwards does. Obviously, not part of the. Andy Retree, nor was Mike Vrabel, uh, but there are a lot of people who uh, who are uh, for, formerly with the Chiefs, and now they're taking big roles elsewhere. I know as fans, we always like to follow these guys and see how they do in their new roles. I definitely want to keep track of them and see, you know, should the Chiefs have done something to maybe convince Mike Vrabel that, you know, he should have stuck around here and, and bring his coaching talents to Kansas City. As an assistant. A lot of people are talking about how the Chiefs should have kept Doug Peterson. Well, listen, the only way that's possible is if you fire Andy Reid that year. Because Doug Peterson was fielding offers the same year the Chiefs uh, got their first playoff win in 22 years. That means you would have fired Andy Reid the year you won the playoff uh, a playoff game. And I just think that that would have been a very bold, bold move. Look at the Titans. A lot of people people are saying maybe the Titans are going to regret that. Uh, but it is understanding. I mean, look, uh, this has been a very bad year for Marcus Mariota. And I've got to be honest, I did not realize he was having a really bad season going into that playoff game against the Chiefs. Um, kind of noticed that late in the regular season. And uh, now you're seeing why he was let go. Uh, still surprised, though, considering they won a playoff game on the road in a in comeback fashion. But listen, Doug Peterson, uh, unless you're paying him millions of dollars, making him the highest paid assistant in the NFL, there's no way you could have uh, making some sort of uh, logical move to fire Andy Reid and to hire Doug Peterson as the uh, promoting him as the head coach of the Chiefs. That There would have not been a logical move. At the time, uh, you would have seen this and everyone would have criticized the Chiefs for this, including Chiefs fans. So listen, people always talk about how uh, right now Nick Folds and Doug Peterson are in the Super Bowl. Well, listen, there's no way of knowing that these two guys would have been able to do that here in Kansas City. Nick Folds was a backup. In the times where we saw Nick Folds, he wasn't necessarily great. And he's not necessarily playing Tom Brady status or anything like that. But he's doing enough to bring the Eagles to the Super Bowl. They were underdogs in that Falcons game in the divisional round, and they were underdogs once again against the Vikings, and here they are making it all the way to the Super Bowl. Crazy stuff, and a lot of that we can talk to with Matt Connor of Arrowhead Addict, and he is joining us right now on the phone lines here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Matt Connor is the editor 
of Arrowhead Addict. And we had him on once before. He's a great follow on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter at MattConnorAA. Uh, like I said, had him on the podcast before. A lot of fun to have him on. And I wanted to bring him back on here. And he is very kind to give us a few minutes of his time to discuss this Kansas City Chiefs offseason so far. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Of course, I'm well. How are you, Farzine? I'm doing well, Matt. Uh, I know I asked you to come on on late notice, so I definitely appreciate it. Uh, part of the reason is that uh, I, I think now is a great time to, to uh, talk about this. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I do have an announcement that I want to bring up here. And uh, it is exciting to to say that I will be writing for Arrowhead Addict, which, of course, you are the editor for. Uh, you're essentially going to be my boss, so that'll be a lot of fun. Maybe. We'll see. But um, very excited. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm going to be part of the AA family and uh, going to be writing for you guys now. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're thrilled to welcome you. Uh, you know, I've always uh, enjoyed following you on Twitter. I've always thought that you always have um, a great perspective. So, I, yeah, I just think it's going to be a great marriage. And, and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I appreciate it, man. And I'm very excited. Definitely looking forward to it. I'll uh, start writing this weekend. So definitely expect some of my articles you know, on the Facebook page uh, as well as on Twitter. And, of course, I'll share some of the other writers' their work as well. Um I, and I know you've been around for a long time. You've been writing for for uh, for certain outlets. A lot of people have been wondering about me, and they've asked about this. Uh, I've kind of written for different uh, outlets. I uh, wrote for Bleacher Report. Unfortunately, they let a lot of their featured columnists go. I was included in that. I wrote for Cage Pages and eventually became their editor very quickly, uh, which I enjoy, but also very time-consuming. And uh, at the time, I had to uh, leave because of some personal things. Um, and to my knowledge, I know Cage Pages is defunct because they were just lacking a lot of writers and they couldn't keep up with the news, uh, which is one of the hard things I was dealing with there. Uh, but uh, I've, I've got some familiarity with Fansided, which is what Cage Pages is under or was under. And uh, definitely very excited to uh, be with Arrowhead Addict. I know it's been around for a long time. I know you're taking over from Matt Vertemy. Uh He was the last editor uh, before you. How long have you been the editor? When did you take over from Matt? Yeah, I took over. It's almost one year, actually. In February, it'll be one year. Um, so it's, uh, in, and then I came there after, you know, several years at um, Arrowhead Pride and, and also as an um, NFL editor, assignment editor with, uh, with SBNation.com, in, like in general. Um, so yeah, you know, it's been, it's been fun to cover the Chiefs from a couple ways. And um, Arrowhead Addicts has been a great home to kind of, grow a site and, and add writers like yourself and, and really kind of add to the conversation. I think, I think there's a lot of great cheese coverage out there and yeah. we're just, uh, you know, we just want to be a part of that. Yeah. And there have been a lot of great editors over the years. I believe Patrick Allen, uh, he was the very first, uh, editor for Arrowhead Addict. And there are a lot of great Chiefs upsets out there. As you mentioned, Thorman, he's been a guest on the podcast before, but with Patrick Allen, uh, the first AA editor, wasn't he also the founder of Fansided? Um, yeah, Patrick was. I think Patrick was one. Uh, I think there was there was one other before that even named Adam Best and um, Adam and and his brother Zach founded the Fan Sided Network and I think they founded that site. Although I have to say my own my own history of of even where I'm at is maybe a little bit fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, I know they've had a couple of editors, but uh, definitely a great website. Very excited to be on. And uh, I know you and I, we, we were talking about this for a couple of weeks, but finally got it done. And uh, I know we'll uh, be rocking and rolling. It's going to be very exciting to see uh, what we can do with uh, Arrowhead Addict. And uh, very happy to be 
uh, writing for AA and uh, definitely uh, looking forward to working with you more often. Uh, and hopefully we can have some of the other AA writers on this podcast as well later on. But Matt, let's get right into it uh, because I've been getting a question uh, quite a bit. I, I, I was asking just some of my listeners, some of my followers on Facebook, no Chiefs news lately, but what's been on their minds lately? And every single person commented about Bob Sutton. So I'm going to ask you what I've been asked, and I don't know if you even have the answer. I'm sure you've been asked, but why in the world is Bob Sutton still on the staff? <laughs> um, well, you know, I'm, I feel like I should say, great question. I want to know myself, um, <laughs> if, you know, if I don't want to get any backlash. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, Andy Reid promised after the season that he was not going to make an emotional response, that he was going to take his time. Um, and, and I think in the Chiefs' finer moments, we really, really appreciate that about him. In our frustrated moments, we forget how much we appreciate that about him. So, you know, a couple of years ago when the Chiefs began the season at 1-5 and five, and were already on the ropes, not even halfway through the regular season, suddenly the Chiefs reeled off 11 straight wins, a playoff win in that same year, and we were loving the fact that we had a head coach that couldn't be shaken. He was, he was sort of always who he's going to be. Now, we're frustrated with the fact that he won't fire a friend or that he's taking his free time and doing so. Um, you know, and if I had to reach for a reason, I, you know, I think, I think Reed is, I think Andy is getting a good read, so to speak, on Bob Sutton's overall effectiveness. So, you know, this year the Chiefs gave up a ton of yards. Last year, the Chiefs were also near the bottom of the NFL in yards allowed defensively. So in our recent memory, it seems like the Chiefs have given up a ton of yards. The opponents are moving the chains really well against the Chiefs with that sort of bend but don't break defense, and we all hate it. Um, however, it's important to also understand that like before this year, Bob Sutton's defenses have always been in the top seven in the NFL in points allowed. And so really when it comes down to it, teams are not scoring against the Chiefs four out of the five years that Sutton's here. And I think that maybe Andy Reid is taking a step back and going, you know what, this is worth giving a guy with a decent track record despite recent appearances uh, another year. And, and, and or maybe there's just not the best selection of available people out there. You know, it's just hard to know. It's kind of been a weird turn of events because shortly after that playoff loss, I believe it was Michael Lombardi on his GM Street podcast talked about how there was going to be a revamping with the offense, or excuse me, the defense, and you could have seen some uh, some changes. We could have expected some changes with the coaching staff, but we haven't really seen much of activity with that defensive side. Uh, we really haven't. Uh, now, he did say the rumor was that Bob Sutton was, was on his way out. Do you think maybe there's a possibility that the Chiefs were set on that and maybe Andy Reid had changed his mind at some point? I mean, you know, there's just no way of knowing. It's all conjecture by all of us, really, right? I, you know, I, I, I'd love to think that there could have been a change. I would love a change. I, th- I think it's time for, to shake things up a little bit without, you know, firing the head down. Um, I think some of the I – think, I think it's very clear that well-coached teams – know how to beat our defense. And I, and I think that's where it breaks down for me. But if, um, you know, if, if Reed can bring in someone new, I mean, the, the reality is he may, he may have had to survey the land, so to speak, and found out that there's not 
the replacement around that he wanted. And, and so maybe Sutton sticks around because there's not really any other option. I want to get your opinion and maybe a little bit of a prediction on what you think about Eric Bieniemy and how he'll do in 2018 with the Chiefs as the offensive coordinator. A lot of the, and I actually did not have this thought process. A lot of people did. A lot of people are thinking that uh, may even if he's not the play caller, he could still get in Andy Reid's ear and maybe persuade him. Hey, let's let's run the ball a little bit more. Um, now you know the whole play calling thing. We could go on for that for for a long time and. I think we're all in agreement that Eric Bieniemy should be the play caller. But even if he isn't, let's just say he's not. Uh, I think there's a possibility that as a running backs coach and a guy who coached a, a rookie in Kareem Hunt who led the league in rushing, uh, I think you could really get in Andy Reid's ear and say, hey, look, we got to run the ball a lot more. Do you think maybe we see a, a different side of the offense in, in which they do focus more on the rushing game because we didn't see uh, even though you had a league leader there you didn't see it a whole lot uh like we did with the passing game i think um i i do i do i i think we are going to see um a different emphasis on the run i mean i mean in in a way i don't want to say it's too much different because the chief had the nfl leading rusher so saying they'll emphasize the run even more sounds a little bit funny when they already led the nfl you know with at least one player however um, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that there is going to, you know, be enemy is a running backs coach by trade. I think it's, it's going to be natural for him to think more in, in, in terms of that emphasis coming into the role. And I think that will help maybe diversify the offense a bit. Um, you know, I, I also just think, I think not enough has been made about the offensive changes overall. I mean, if, like if Brad Childress, Retires as he's uh, rumored, you know that, that is, is, you know he's gone. Uh, Matt, you know Matt Nagy is already gone. Um, Doug Peterson, you know, is gone over a couple of years ago. Uh, I mean, I'm looking around for senior trusted voices on offense, and Andy Reid has lost a bunch of them. So you know, he's this he's this scoring coach who's been around for a long time. Who's actually surrounded by quite a few young coaches, young voices, young, uh, you know, young sort of coaching interns or whatnot. I, I think not enough being made about the fact that Andy's kind of surrounding himself offensively with a lot of inexperience and new voices. You, you know, uh, of course, Doug Peterson uh, and Nick Foles, both formerly with the Chiefs, and this is something I just discussed before he came on. These are guys who uh, have made it, you know, with different teams to the Super Bowl and uh, not just that, uh, a lot of Chiefs fans, I think, were angry about this. And I think it could have been maybe just in the moment where uh, a lot of Chiefs fans were suggesting that Andy Reid should have been fired and Doug Peterson should have stayed, which would have been a weird thing because that was the same year Andy Reid won a playoff game. Uh, first franchise playoff win in uh, in 22 years would have been a very difficult move to justify firing a guy who just led you to a playoff win after a one and five start winning 11 in a row including that playoff win as as you had talked about a moment ago uh but not just that i mean we're kind of seeing former a lot of former coaches we're seeing doug peterson now he's doing some great things with the eagles a lot of former uh chiefs guys uh not just coaches but also a gm herm edwards uh matt Nagy, mike rabel uh and also john dorsey as a gm and, and todd haley now also joining him uh, not as a head coach, but as an offensive coordinator, you're, you're, you're seeing a lot of guys, um, former Chiefs guys, 
get big new opportunities uh, in 2018. Yeah, yeah. You know, to, to speak to that, to speak to that last point, um, the fact that there's so many Chiefs and like you know that the Andy Reid coaching tree reaches as far as it does. You know, like fans, fans can be down on Andy Reid or can judge them the way they want. But the NFL and, and the fact that so many owners and front office executives are hiring his own protégés tell you all you need to know about how much respect Andy Reid commands like in the NFL in general. I think that the Chiefs were to ever make a move to cut Reid for some reason, um, like they did in Philly, I think Reid would once again get the red carpet treatment from a dozen franchises who would be very glad to have him despite, you know, the lack of, of, of recent playoff wins or, or Super Bowl appearances. Now, you know, that, that said, I, also, I, I just think it's laughable that, that uh, you know, people would, you know, uh, would want Doug Peterson in, instead of instead of Reed. Uh, two years ago, Eagles fans didn't even want Doug Peterson. Remember when he was hired, everyone just thought, what have we done? We've just gone back to Andy Reid, except we don't even have Andy Reid anymore. Like we've, <laughs> like, like he's he's so vanilla, uh, you know. And I remember losing Doug Peterson, thinking we didn't lose anything. I, you know, I just thought, sure, take him, take a, we'll give you some cookies too. What is, you know, what do we care? Um, so you know, one hats off to Doug Peterson for the incredible coaching job that he's done. I mean, even even with Carson Wentz, he was. He was doing a great job of game planning, in, in, you know, in several key games. But gosh, this this playoff run has really been incredible, and and shown what what the guys under Reed are capable of doing, even if they seemed vanilla at the time. Matt, I was checking out SpotTrack.com, and Matt Connor from Arrowhead Attic, the editor, joining us here on the Chief Zone podcast. Uh, I was looking at uh, their free agent rankings. Uh, they do a lot of contract evaluations and show these contracts, things we have never seen before. In the past couple of years, they've been a relevant website. But uh, I'm looking at their 2018 free agents, and they have Benny Logan as the third-best defensive free agent. Dontari Poet number two, interesting. Is Benny Logan really that high, and should he be brought back in Kansas City? You know, that's really interesting because I was actually looking at a couple different websites, too, in terms of... Um, like pro football focus, and now I can't remember the other one. And and I guess I, I wish I I wish I would have prepped that for this conversation. But I remember there were two separate places that had their own judgments or metrics that were giving Benny Logan these tremendous scores. And I remember thinking, you know, Logan looked good this season, but but you know, in terms of the eye test, I just don't remember like a Chris Jones type of you know dominant. Uh, game, let alone like series of games. And so, you know, either Benny Logan is the most unappreciated chief of 2017, um, you know, or, or, you know, somehow someone's, you know, juicing up his own, you know, metrics on these other sites, you know, maybe his agent knows all the right people. I don't know, you know, so uh, yeah, that was really surprising to me uh, to, uh, to see some of that stuff. I, uh, of course, I would love to see the chief, grab him again um you know just for the sake of you know because I, I think i think other i think other people are gonna have to leave and, and the chiefs are already looking thin across the line you know before they even have to replace him so yeah that'd be great but yeah i'm, I'm with you i'm a little surprised at sort of the postseason summary of logan's performance Last thing before I let you go, listen, we, we all know that the super bowl the notion it has always been anybody but new england 
Now it's New England and the Eagles. Now, a lot of people can't stand Eagles fans. Uh, let me ask you this. Who do you who are you rooting for? And who do you think will win the Super Bowl? Uh Jessica in the league. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, hey, I'll say this. You know, like I, I find the Patriots boring at this point. I'm over it. I mean, I get it. I, it's a dynasty. It's great. One day I'll tell my kids I saw it. I saw it in person. I, you know, we, I, you know, Tom Brady was a pleasure to watch. Blah blah blah. blah. But the reality is, you know, I, I think the world is over it. It's it's a storyline that that that's kind of wrapped its course or you know taken its course. And at the same time, you know, like we all don't like the Broncos. All don't like the Raiders. We all don't like the Chargers. Although they're the most likable of the AFC rivals, but I'll, I'll I'll say this: nothing's worse than Philadelphia fans. Like nothing, nothing's worse than Philadelphia fans. Not I, even Oakland Raiders fans. And that's what I'm saying. So, and I hate Raiders fans too, for that matter. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, like they're they're just historically deplorable in every sport. And so I just before watching a parade of all of them coming out of the woodwork wherever they're from. So yeah, for Justin Timberlake, and then I'm kind of already over the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. <laughs> Alright, fair enough, Matt. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Matt Connor, Arrowhead Attic, the editor here on the Chiefs on Podcast, and of course, as we mentioned earlier on, I'm also going to be writing for Arrowhead Addict as a contributor this offseason into the regular season and hopefully beyond that. Uh, big thanks to you, Matt, for having me on. And I know I asked you on, on short notice to come on the podcast and you made the time for it, uh, which I know probably wasn't easy on your end. So uh, that does not go on. I appreciate it. I really do thank you for coming on the Chiefs on Podcast, and I, I know we'll have you on back again. Sounds great, Fuzzy. Thanks so much. I look forward to having you on the site. All right, Matt. Take care. And I know we'll uh, you and I, we will be in touch very soon. There you have it. Matt Connor of Arrowhead Addict here on the Chiefs Hill Podcast. Always fun talking to him. And uh, his perspective, always very interesting too. So uh, definitely want to have him on back again, as well as some of the other AA writers. And uh, I'll definitely share uh, a lot of my work on there. So definitely be sure you guys do check out arrowheadaddict.com. And if you're on the Facebook and Twitter pages, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugan, like that page. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Uh, I'll definitely be posting my work on there as well. So you guys can check it out. Uh, and I'll also post some of the other uh, writers' work on the web, on the social media pages as well. Big thanks once again to Matt Connor. And like I said, make sure you check out his work over at arrowheadaddict.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Okay, the American Veterans Organization, uh, or known as AM Vets, uh, they uh, requested to include some sort of a message uh, for a, a, a please stand message, according to USA Today. They wanted to include that on the program, and they wanted to have some sort of a hashtag going, the, the please stand hashtag, um, but the NFL has rejected this. This is apparently a request to put it for the NFL programs, and I think they wanted to do it for a Super Bowl commercial. Look, I don't know. First of all, if you're going to hand out NFL programs, uh, NFL players don't care for programs. For people who don't know what I'm talking about, those little booklets that they hand out to you at the door when you enter, when you go to a Chiefs game or a Royals game, I mean, you've got this, you know, 20, 30, 40 page booklet. For a Super Bowl, it'll probably be a little bit thicker. Uh, but it's basically got some fun nuggets, some information about the Super Bowl, some some things that you definitely w- should know about. Uh, and then they want to have a please stand 
advertisement on there. You'll see me, you know, some some soda advertisements, some food, some beer advertisements. Uh, the AM vets wanted to include a please stand program. I'm not. I don't think you're going to get the message across because the people who are protesting and kneeling and sitting are the players. Yeah, sure, there are a couple fans who do it, but they don't get any attention. I mean, no, no one cares about the fans who do it. It's about the players. Uh, if um, if you had a veteran speak before the national anthem, no, okay, maybe you're going to get your message across. But nonetheless, the NFL has rejected this. And I know this makes the NFL look bad, but honestly, I think this was the right move. Uh, what are you going to accomplish by telling fans to stand? Fans have been standing. It's the players who are sitting. You're not going to get the message across through an, an NFL Super Bowl program that's going to be handed out in Minnesota. I just don't think that's uh, the right way to go about it. Uh, I love that they're doing something about it. I think players should be standing. I understand their frustration, and they want to get their voices heard. Um, and I understand both sides. I really do. We've talked about this a lot in the podcast. This has been a very controversial topic this year. Uh, but I just don't think this would help uh, get that point across and for us to meet in the middle. I, I mean, you're not going to be able to reach out to those who are protesting. So I, I think this is a wrong move for the AM vets. It's, it's, it's not the best attempt, in other words. Speaking of veterans and uh, all this controversy with protesting, listen, uh, I, I know at the end of the day there's been a lot of frustration with the NFL from a lot of people, but veterans have been very supportive of the NFL because they've said it's their right, uh, it's their speech, and that they have fought for it. Uh, look, the government shutdown was not very fun, and one of the worst things for me that I heard about it was the fact that veterans were not getting paid, but government officials were over the weekend there was also talks that because they can't pay their own soldiers who are sacrificing time with their families to be overseas they could not uh, get NFL games apparently that costs a lot I mean is it was it really that hard first of all they should be getting paid and I understand that veterans have uh other issues to worry about than missing NFL games because they were not getting paid for the weekend. Uh, but I just think it's it's completely... And now you're just taking the, their entertainment away. I mean, surely there are a lot of Patriots fans overseas, Eagles fans overseas, uh, and they wanted to be able to see their games. Uh, you know, it, it, those couple hours where they just watch football, it's their opportunity to just decompress and think it, get an opportunity just to be entertained for a bit and they could not provide that now a uh, report was that the white house was scrambling to try to find a way to make it possible for them to see and they that fortunately soldiers overseas were able to see the game but you know i've got to say it's kind of interesting that donald trump and the white house they came out with a sob comment and trying to make the nfl look bad yet they were scrambling to try to find uh, a way to get uh, soldiers to watch the game. But hey, look, I, I'm happy that, you know, we've made been able to move on. They were able to watch the games and the government shut down coming to an end, which is good because uh, you, you don't ever want that. And again, I don't care where you stand politically. This is not a pol- political topic, but at the end of the day, our soldiers, uh, I mean, they give up so much. And I always think uh, a veteran when I see him. But, uh, you know, to not be able to even provide uh, a viewing experience 
to, to see the games. I thought that was ridiculous. I was hoping maybe NFL, CBS, and Fox could have done something about that. But I don't know if, if really that's even anywhere in their alley. Because if they're overseas, they're not necessarily watching CBS or Fox. When I was in Mexico watching uh, watching the NFL that weekend, this was the weekend uh, the Chiefs played the Broncos on Monday night. Uh, I was actually watching it through Fox International, Fox Deportes. And they were actually... Uh, broadcasting a CBS game on Fox International. So that's how that works. I don't know how it will work in other countries, uh, but there are some crazy parameters that you've got to go through, and it would be out of uh, the hands of uh, the NFL on Fox and CBS, uh, the NFL on CBS in, in, the, in the U.S. So uh, nonetheless, I'm glad they were able to watch it and sh- uh, end the whole uh, shutdown eventually uh, so they could get paid because they really do deserve it. Let's go out of bounds. I'm not a big wrestling fan like I used to be uh, when I was younger. Uh, I, I started watching, you know, the the uh, waiting points of the Attitude Era uh, with The Rock, DX, uh, Chris Jericho. I saw a lot of those guys. Uh, I stopped watching for a while, and then I got back into it when uh, I saw Batista. He became WWE Champion. John Cena was also on the rise. I, I started watching then, then I stopped, and then I started again when The Rock came back. Uh, and then after he uh, his title reign ended, I stopped watching. So uh, my, 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 I haven't watched wrestling a whole lot since The Rock's last appearance, which was 2013, I believe. So it's been a while. Uh, I'll, I'll watch the Royal Rumble like this weekend and WrestleMania and all that, but uh, I don't watch on a consistent basis. I, a lot of the wrestlers I saw on Raw 25, which was this past Monday, celebrating the 25-year anniversary. Um, I was expecting much more. First of all, this was a terribly organized event. They had the event at two different venues. So, I don't know exactly what was going on. They had it at the Manhattan Center. And apparently they didn't have... It's a very small venue. It, it's not meant for like a a big concert or a big sporting event. It's a very, very small venue. Which is where I think they used to host wrestling events back then when uh, they had smaller crowds. But they had it in the, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, just a couple miles away. And they were kind of on and off as to what event was happening where. Um, but boy, uh, this was a terribly... First of all, the event sucked. Uh, outside of Stone Cold and the opening act with stunning the McMahon family. Uh, after that was terrible. They had a few people like here, some of the former Raw general managers and some of the former WWE divas over the years. Like that was pretty cool. Uh, I was hoping for some tributes for some of those who had passed, like China, Crash Holly, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, but it was just... Uh, well, Paul Bearer, too. Can't forget him. Uh, but, man, it was terrible. Undertaker came out. All he did was talk on the microphone. Um, this was just really bad. Uh, in WWE... Uh, I, and I haven't really been uh, familiar with what's been going on over the years. But I know, do, based on their ratings... They have declined a lot over the years. And I don't know what's really gone wrong with with the promotion. Here's another thing. And, and if anyone knows the answer, please let me know. Um, they're obviously on the USA Network. And I know WWE, Central Standard Time, they end at 10.05. But they always, always go over the limit. And they go by a large margin, too. Does the USA Network just excuse them and let them go for as long as they want? I get it's a live event, but even with other big 
popular TV shows, they end on time. Even when they ask for like a special 90-minute episode like The Walking Dead on AMC, they'll ask for like a specific like a like sometimes The Walking Dead will do 97 minutes and they will still end right on time. Uh, which again, I understand that's not a live show whereas Raw is. But it's not fair to all the other networks that, you know, they have a, a show that's scheduled and then everything falls behind for that that overnight show, which again, it's overnight, I get it, but there are programs that um that they wanna that they wanna show. So uh, I think it's kind of unfair. If anyone knows why that's the case, let me know on social media or, or email me. Because I've been kind of curious if the USA network is just continuing to allow that. Another thing, they keep going to commercials. Why do you keep going to commercials in the middle of like an entrance or a promo or a match? I remember a point in time when they didn't do that. And now they do it a lot, which I noticed when I was watching. Uh, kind of weird, uh, but I guess uh, times have changed with uh, with good old WWE. Listen, I know I've been very critical of KU, and, and uh, this has been a very, very interesting team to watch. They just jumped to the top five, and then they lose to Oklahoma, allowing a big comeback there in the end. And listen, KU has had a lot of close games this year, especially at home. They had a very close game against Iowa State. They pulled away late. They had a very close game against K-State. Uh, West Virginia on the road, they had to come up with a big comeback. And they also had to come back against Baylor very big late in that game this past Saturday uh, and uh, could not finish strong against Oklahoma on the road. Listen, uh, this KU team, I know they've had a lot of close games that have come down to the wire and they've won most of those, but uh, this just does not bode well for KU come tournament time. I'm just saying it now. And again, uh, this negative connotation I have with KU as a basketball fan, I'm kind of starting to have that with the Chiefs too. Not to get my high, my hopes so high anymore. But I'll tell, I'm telling you, sure, KU is winning more of most of their games, but they've also been losing uh, a lot more than they have in recent memory. I'll tell you what, this is just going to bode well for another March upset. It really is. And KU fans, once again, are going to be disappointed. Uh, and Bill Self, again, to my point, as I've been saying, most overrated head coach in college basketball. Final segment, time to throw some penalty flags. All right, we could throw a flag at multiple people here. Uh, Bill Belichick not answering questions about Tom Brady's hand. He's always very minimal with some of these answers. Look, it's just a press conference. Answer the questions, all right? Now, at the same time, uh, in his post-game press conference where he was constantly being asked about Tom Brady's hand, he chuckled at one point, and this is also to, to reporters, that made a big deal about his hand. Now, it turned out Tom Brady actually thought that he he didn't think he was going to play at one point, but uh, Bill Belichick did say, look, it's not open-heart surgery, it's just a cut on his hand. Now, there have been pictures out there, and it looks pretty brutal, but it is Tom Brady. Listen, here's the thing with, with all of this. Even if it's, you know, a bruise, just a... Just a bruised pinky. Just a little bit of pain in the pinky. If it's Tom Brady, if it's LeBron James, if it's Conor McGregor, if it's if it's a big-name athlete, a tiny injury like that will always be talked about. And it'll be on the front page of every sports media website because these guys are big deals. Especially for a big game like that, getting ready for an AFC title game against a, a pretty hot and under-the-radar Jacksonville Jaguars team. People were curious 
if Tom Brady would even make it to to, to the game. So uh, when it comes to injuries like that with big name players, they're always going to be discussed like that. Some fans may not like it, the way the media goes about it, but that's the way it works because at the end of the day, if it was Alex Smith who had an injury like this for an AFC title game, it would not be a big story. It would still be a big story, but not as big because it's Alex Smith. It's not Tom Brady, a guy who is eyeing his sixth Super Bowl ring and eighth AFC championship appearance. So... Just keep that in mind. Uh, even though it does become annoying and excessive, it's it's what's high demand. That's what a lot of people want to read about. Patriots fans want to know if their beloved Tom Brady's going to play, and Patriots haters are hoping for some bad news and that maybe there's a chance the Jaguars can stun the Patriots. I'll tell you who a bonehead is. Jets wide receiver Robbie Anderson. He was arrested after running two red lights, swerving while traveling 105 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour zone. And then when the police officer pulled him over and, and started, you know, putting his name down, he threatened the police officer's family and said he would rape his wife. Shame on Robbie Anderson. And this is just a horrible thing to say. We were talking earlier about anthem protests and all. I mean, the players who have been peacefully protesting, and again, I, I disagree with the notion of it, doing it during the anthem, uh, but it's not like they're doing anything terrible or hurting anybody. Robbie Anderson threatened to kill a police officer's family and rape that police officer's wife. And I guarantee, just from what, what I've seen in the media this week, Robbie Anderson it isn't even getting a fraction of the criticism that other NFL players have been receiving. Uh, for protesting. Uh, I, I just think this is wrong. Uh, and this is a guy... Uh, that, look, I, I know we've got to be very careful because as Andy Reid, the head coach of the Chiefs, he's given guys like Tyree Kill and Mike Vick uh, opportunities in the past. Marcus Peters as well. Uh, but when you do something like this, uh, you know, uh, talking about murdering someone's family and raping uh, they're white. It, 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 you've got to be cautious, especially in 2018. Police officers have, you know, body cams and, and some sort of recording th- that's running. It's 2018. You've got to know that everything is going to be there. Uh, I mean, you, you, you're just being watched everywhere you go. It feels like. Shame on Robbie Anderson. This is a horrible thing, and. Uh, look, police officers deal with a lot. They really do. I respect them, but they, they, they in no way. I mean, they're, they're always viewed as the bad guys when they hand out a ticket uh, when they should. But uh, first, you're driving a 105 at 45. You're already an idiot for doing that. Now you do this. Uh, this guy really does deserve uh, a long time behind bars. Speaking of idiots getting pulled over and doing stupid stuff. Well, this one's... A little more funnier, but 27-year-old Brian Fogg uh, was in... This is in Maine. He was in his car, stuck in a ditch last week. And according to uh, police in Maine, uh, when they found... When police found him, and when they were questioning him, Fogg punched himself three times, knocked himself out, apparently, to avoid a sobriety test. When you're in big trouble, just punch yourself. Knock yourself out. Hey, if Brian Fogg did it, so should you. I mean, like this segment, really, I, I, I think this, 
I think I need to rename the segment to just the idiot segment. I don't know. Uh, hey, I, I, I've said before, a c- couple of you guys did send in ideas. If you guys ever have an idea for a, a funny person to put on this penalty flag segment, I am all ears. So let me know. You guys know how to contact me. Facebook.com slash Farzee Give my page a like. Follow me on there. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzee21 on Twitter. And you guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVisugian.com. Big thanks to Matt Connor for joining us here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast, editor for Arrowhead Addict, and of course, mentioned that I'll be writing for Arrowhead Addict as a contributor. Still going to be part of the podcast. Don't worry. This podcast is still going to be going. And as I said, once a week, that's uh, what the podcast is going to be uh, during the offseason. I will say, after the Super Bowl, we will be doing two podcasts that week. We'll, of course, recap the big Super Bowl, uh, talking about the Patriots in that Eagles in that game and then we will talk about that we'll recap that and surely there'll be a lot of news that whole week so we'll do a second podcast late that week uh right before uh february the 7th so we'll have two podcasts that week for the chief zone podcast also if you guys are interested check out my mma podcast the cage zone i interviewed a fighter from the kansas city area bobby volker he's got a big fight coming up in a regional promotion in Kansas City. So check that out if you guys are interested. That is the Cage Zone Podcast on iTunes. Subscribe to that. Subscribe to this podcast as well, the Chiefs Zone Podcast on iTunes. If you enjoy the podcast, appreciate it. If you guys would share them on social media, click the share button. Let your friends know about the podcast. As far as you big thanks to you guys once again for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week.